Hey, I'm Brianna. And I'm Lauren. It's easy to compare yourself to others on social media. But if there's one thing we know, it's that Instagram is just a highlight reel. That's why we are bringing you raw and honest conversations on success, health, finance, and relationships from the people who aren't afraid to speak the truth. Anything else is all bullshit. Hey girl! Hey fam out there listening. Welcome to It's All Bullshit. Yes, the podcast where we keep it real and debunk the bullshit. Two peace signs. That's how real we're keeping it. Yeah. Do you like these ratchet nails? Do you see this? Uh, Do you see mine? Are we going to a ratchet nail convention? Because I think that we both will take center stage. These are acrylics that were cut down. They used to be coffin shaped. COVID is really getting the best of everyone. Listen, I knew I I knew that I shouldn't get my nails done because I knew the salons were going to close again, and I did it anyway. And this mm-hmm. is the result. Now I'm trying to rip them off, and I'm struggling. Nails are something that I don't usually notice on other people because I don't really care for mine the way that maybe perhaps I should. Um, but I know that a lot of women like really go to nail salons like all the time. So this is like a huge thing for theirs. I, I've i cared for myself in a very low maintenance way in the sense that like I wasn't going to the hair salon a ton anyway. So it hasn't affected me a lot, but it's probably like you're talking about it. I'm like, wow, I didn't even think about that. Well, so I like have to get pedicures. I get ingrown toenails. So I need the squad to go in there and cut them out for me. Like needs to be done. Yeah. So pedicures are non-negotiable. Like I'm like, do people not understand that this is essential for me? Like my toes will fucking hurt. So that was like one thing. As soon as I opened, I like knew I was getting a pedicure. Um, but nails, I go through phases and I always think I don't really care. And that's one thing where like, if I'm trying to adjust my finances, I'll cut back on getting my nails done. Mm-hmm. But because sure. I talk so much on my Instagram story and I'm such a hand talker, like there's just something about how fucking sassy you feel when you have those claws waving around, or even if they're not long, like they're just done and the tapping. Oh, I'm a fucking tapper. Like, there's just something uh-huh. about it. You just feel empowered. I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes, I mean, for me, it's like if I'm home and not doing anything, sometimes I need to just like put makeup on because not because I'm going anywhere and not to please anybody, but it's like for me, yeah. I feel I like I just like project my voice a little bit better. I like I take more care in my space. I notice yes. like I just I'm a little like. You're a little I'm a cleaner little that feminine day. And, like I'm a little bit more feminine and sweeter and like stepping into that femininity. Like it's making me feel myself a little bit yeah. more. And it's like the self-care routine that yes, it has to do with like the way that I look, but it in turn makes me feel some more empowered inside. So I get that. Yes. And I think that's like one thing that's like become uh, a lot of bullshit. I think people are starting to debunk it a little bit, but originally like people are like posting, oh my God, self-care. Like people always think it's just like a face mask and a bubble bath and maybe a glass of rosé, which like, hell yes, I am here for. But it's mm-hmm. so much more than that. It doesn't just have to be your Sunday that you're trying to get your life back together after you were just drunk all weekend. Like, so now you like literally you're just like piecing together things. Like it can be a Tuesday morning where you're just gonna do your hair and do your makeup just to make yourself feel good. Or it can be mm-hmm. your Wednesday night when you're reading your book and it's just your you time. And like, you're not talking to anybody else. You're not touching your phone. Like self-care can be something different to everyone. Yeah, there was this uh, meme I saw and I'm trying to remember what it said, but it was something about how self-care is not about your diet and not about your exercise all the time. And something about like reading a book or... For me, it's, um, I have a financial advisor. I like checking in with her about what I should be doing and coming up with a plan for the future and talking about like, you know, what are we doing for our retirement now that we have an emergency fund? Um, so that's one thing. Yeah. And then I like that whole thing because I was a dick about finances in my twenties. And so now I'm paying the price and having to like aggressively save. Um, I'm scared. And that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I think self-care, another thing is just really looking at those things that you're scared to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
That's what I really like. Um, I'm like so annoying. I'm like a fucking Gary Vee spokesperson. I talk about him all the time. But Gary Vee <laughs> always talks about being self-aware. And I love that. Like just tapping into that self-awareness. I actually started whenever I coached my F45 classes, I started talking about it a lot. I'm like, you guys need to be self-aware. Are you babying yourself during this set? Are you like, just because I showed you this modification, this easier way to do things, like maybe you're a little tired, are you doing it automatically because I said that it's allowed? Mm-hmm. Or do you need mm. to take that little rest? Do you need this breather set mm. so you can actually finish the rest of the workout? Um, can you try that progression? Like be like be self-aware, like figure out where mm. you're at in your current situation, whether it's in something small and minute, like your 45-minute workout, or whether you're just looking at your financial situation or your relationship mm. or your career. Like figure it out. <laughs> Look at it. You talk a lot about how you shouldn't be babying yourself. And I talk a lot about how you should be kind to yourself. And I think what we are both saying is that there is intersectionality and we both have very similar beliefs, but we're just approaching it in different ways. For sure. So that's what I really like about when I talk to you about stuff like this, because for me, I didn't work out. I worked out for the first month in in quarantine. I have weights, uh, daily walks, things like that. And then I went to Texas and did it a little bit and then got lazy for a couple of weeks and didn't do much. And then I started doing like insanity, right? Or like P90X like workouts. Mm -hmm. Like I've done like four. I'm not doing them all the time. I've done four (laughs) in total, by the way. You're doing them. um, You're doing it. But- what I've noticed is that it's so, so, so hard and my brain, and I cannot walk outside in this heat. Okay. It's like 107 degrees. It's like humid. It's ridiculous. And nobody so I can't do my regular that. walk. I can't do my regular walks. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like get back into this routine of self-care and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's just hard because like, I've never done insanity style workouts. Like I've not done those kind of boot camp, and I've never liked those. Mm-hmm. And even and when I was in my top, top shape, I could do a lot of burpees and a lot of things like that, but I'm just, it's a different type of workout for me right now. I don't know if you have any advice for somebody who like is trying to work out at home, but not baby themselves and make progress yeah. because that's what I feel like right now. I feel like, well, I'm getting something in. Well, if I can't do burpees for 45 seconds, I'll do a version of it but I just feel like I'm just being so lame. Yeah, no. So two things about that. The one thing we talk about here all the time is that you're going to have different seasons of your life. And even every day, like I also talk about this when I coach, like every day is going to be different. Some days you can go in and you can crush that workout and you're like, yes, bitch, like this is me. I'm going, I'm going hard. I killed it today. And some days you really just got to survive. But like sometimes you're like, well, at least I put my pants on, you know? So like, remember, like be kind to yourself in that sense. Like remember that just not every day is going to be the best day, but then obviously we do get into these sumps where we're like, okay, I need to get myself out of this. How do I do this? How do I get motivated? You need to think about what motivates you. Like people ask what motivates me and I can sit here and tell you what does, but you need to figure out what works for you. So just like we said, like we have the same thoughts, but we approach them different ways. People accept motivation in different ways. So some of us, it's just setting the alarm for the next morning for the workout, deciding that no matter what, when that goes off, you're hopping up out of bed. Don't snooze it. Get up the first time when it gets off. Have your workout clothes laid out. Have your pre-workout or your caffeine, whatever you're going to do. Have it already laid out. You know what you're going to have, your pre-workout snack, whatever it is, and have that workout written down that you know you're going to do, or maybe it's your walk or whatever it is, and just decide that it's going to happen. Maybe that's just what it is. Like You just make the decision. Or maybe it's you have to watch a YouTube video of your favorite fitness influencer that talks about her fitness journey and how she lost her weight. Or maybe you throw on a podcast that's or one of those like super motivational videos that you find that is just like a pump up, like, do it, quit being a baby, suck it up, go hard. Like, that's the shit I love, but not everybody likes that. They're like, whoa, this is aggressive. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's just putting on your favorite playlist. There's so many different things. Like, You just have to make the decision to try something and maybe you don't know what motivates you or maybe what used to motivate you doesn't do it for you anymore. You have to try something. You have to look at it and know, okay, 
you know, I'm in this place. I'm going, I'm just going through the strokes of life here. Something's got to give, you know, you can't keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. What do I, what do I need to do? What's going to work for me? Let's just start trying shit, trial and error, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a habit eventually. Mm -hmm. And it's when you figure it out, but like that process, unfortunately cannot be skipped. You can't fast forward that process of like getting yourself motivated. And it's just like, for me, I relate very much with the motivational talks or the podcast or the playlist things um, until it becomes a habit. And then you just develop smart feet. Your feet just know what to do because you've done it for, you know, the last five, six days, two weeks, one month, whatever it is yeah. until it starts to become easier. It's inconvenient at first though. It never oh, yeah. feels great at first. Oh, yeah. You just have to tell yourself like, hey, this is going to suck for like, five, six days. But then after that, it's going to be smooth sailing because it's going to be better. Oh yeah. And that's even like people are like, oh my God, I'm so over home workouts. Like you and me both. I fucking love the gym. It's it's different than what we're used to. Yeah. It's not what we want to do, but we don't have a choice. You either choose yeah. to do the home workout or go on the run or go on the walk or whatever you have access to, or you stay stagnant and you don't make it closer to your goals. Or in some of our cases, we're going fucking backwards because now we're just sitting on the couch because we decide we're so tired of burpees in the living room. Yeah. Like we're all tired of burpees in the living room, but if that's what you got to do, it's what you got to do. And obviously, like I said, some days it's like, yeah, we're going to pass. Maybe today it's just, you know, the, the 16 ounce curls. I don't know. But, uh, put in the drink, the decide what you, Decide what your livable minimum is and then just make sure you meet that. Yeah. So like when I was putting myself through college, I originally in my early 20s had a hard time with skipping class all the time. So for every class that I took in college, when I put myself back through school, I gave myself three skips per class for the term. Mm-hmm. And like that. Be, I never used them ever. Each none, none of the classes. I think I maybe used one because it was my protection to not beat myself up. So that was a very useful skill or tool that I taught myself. And so if you make a decision that something is your new bare minimum livable and say that's three times a week, it doesn't have to be every day. Let's say it's three workouts a week and a daily walk. And those three workouts a week are like it could be 25, 30 minutes because it's starting somewhere. And then you come up with a new bare minimum level and that's how you progress. Mm-hmm. And that's like kind of what I've been doing. I also um, like, um, I have kind of without trying to established like a maximum, where are we going to draw the line? So I like to, especially in the summer, I like to drink. I like to party, I like to have a good time. Some days, like if my friends ask me to do shit three days in a row that involves alcohol, I'm not going to be like, no, sorry. Um, I said I was only going to drink twice this week. I'm like, yeah, bitch. Like I'll bring mm-hmm. the seltzers on my way. So like, that's me. That's <laughs> yeah. what I like to do. But I have this like line where I'm like, okay, now I put on these few pounds because I've been an asshole and I was having fun. Now I'm going to dial it back down because you know what? It's a hell of a lot easier to lose five pounds than it is to lose 30. Mm. So let's keep it in check. These checks and balances, like let's figure out like, okay, I can have my fun. But now, you know, I got there, I was slacking and it's time for me to get a little bit more strict. And that doesn't mean I have to completely stop drinking or I have to now work out six days. Like you said, now we have, we set these minimums. Like, okay, these minimums I was doing before weren't working. Working. Now I'm at my max point. So let's bump up those minimums. Let's work a little mm-hmm. harder. Right. And that's why I don't like following people that are such extremists, like that girl I talked about on the last episode. Um, but yeah, because I mean, and I felt I listened to the episode, I was like, should I have cut all that out? Because that was really mean girls. And that's not really who I am. It was me reflecting my like insecurities, right? Because I am more of like a, I want to live in a balanced situation. But for me, what that means is that I imagine myself as a pendulum and you're always going to swing from one side to another. So sometimes we're partying too much and then we rein it back in and then we're working on it every day. And the thing is, is that as a pendulum, the goal is to just make those swings less Mm -hmm. and expend less energy having to shift from one way to another Mm -hmm. and instead make it like a smaller and shorter range. And like, that's for me what I strive to be is a shorter range pendulum. So it's not extremes all the time. And really what that comes down to is like loving yourself and wanting to take care of yourself. Like Mm -hmm. you want to stay closer and not let that pendulum swing so much because you care about your body. You don't want it to go off the deep end. You care about your mental health. You don't 
want to dig yourself down that hole again or whatever it may be. So you start those self-care routines. You do those little bits and things that you, you know, even if you have to schedule it, like, all right, Sunday night, it's time for me to take Mm -hmm. care of myself. This is my me time. You have Mm -hmm. to incorporate that into your life. And I love that talking it about, talking about self-love with our next guest, we got to discover what that was in a sexual way and in a non-sexual way. And that's something that I have started to do is explore like stretching and being present in my body and being like, what feels good, what tastes good, but what also doesn't hurt my stomach or make me tired after I eat it and being mindful. And that's a word that gets tossed around a lot, but really what you're saying and what we're saying here is that it's about self love and being self-aware and mm-hmm. you can you can profitize Gary V all you want because I'm for it um <laughs> with that whole stuff um so speaking of the self-care and the self-love Joe Encarnacion is a relationship coach but she talks a lot about stepping into um pleasure and she has her own self-pleasure routines that she likes to call it. So I just want to ask you, Brie, before we hop into our interview, what do, what's your self-pleasure routine look like? So we're, we're putting it all out there on the table. I'm like, I don't think my mom yeah. knows how to listen to the podcast, but you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think it's something that's important to discuss because I think women have a lot of kind of timid oh, yeah. energy around that stuff. And Joe made it make so much sense about why it is important. She like just dropped so many truth bombs. I'm so excited for everyone to hear this because everything she says, like I can just relate to. And I'm like, wow, that's me. Wow, I get it. I love that you said it that way. Um, I actually remember when I was in high school, I, and at the time, I didn't know that this was like self-pleasure, but I remember I like discovered that you can use a shower faucet to take care of yourself. And I remember I told one of my friends and somehow it got spread out and like everyone was making fun of me. And I just like remember being like traumatized, like what the fuck? And like, okay, like it was, I was so embarrassed, but I had to pretend like I wasn't like, oh, I don't care. Cause I was like this girl. I just like, was like, oh, I'm this badass. Nothing hurts me. You know, that was my little how I presented myself back then. So I was like so embarrassed, but I had to just pretend like I wasn't. But I don't know if that's kind of what has made me timid, but I'm definitely more of like a timid person in my sexuality and different things. And I am starting to explore more. And I do, uh, like I touch myself and I try to figure out, you know, what feels good, good, but I'm still like, I don't really play with the toys or do anything like that. I don't, and I don't like, like any like insertion on my own half, like things like that. Um, so I do, and I don't, I don't have it like scheduled. It's not like a me time. It's just whenever I'm kind of like in the mute mood, but it might not be, you know, feasible to have sex or like whatever it is. I just like, I try to figure it out and take care of myself because I mean, I'm sure a lot of women can relate. I think it's typically a lot harder for a woman to have an orgasm than for a male. So, I mean, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take care of myself. I don't want to worry about somebody else right now. This is about me. Mm-hmm. If, I'm, if I'm in the mood, you know, I explore myself. And if I'm not, then I don't. And I feel like from what we've slightly talked about, you're a little more, um, I guess, experienced, I would say, than I am. Do you have any recommend, are there like toys or anything you would recommend? Anything like that? Like, how did you start to explore yourself more? Um, so this is where I think I have a lot of shame is that, um, like when I grew was growing up and I think it was like 12 or 13, like I discovered adults have these like massagers, like for their shoulders and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the first time I had an orgasm was like, I think using like one of my parents, like shoulder body massagers. And, um, so then flash forward to a few years ago when I started exploring toys, um, I found the magic wand and I, the Hitachi, like, yeah, it's like a Hitachi magic wand. And it's this really high powered, crazy vibration thing. But now I don't like that. And I also feel like it made me like more desensitized to like 
being able to like orgasm more naturally because it is so intense. Right. Um, and so I discovered about two years ago, this tool, this toy that I'm obsessed with, and it's called the satisfier. And there's another brand that makes it and now actually more sex toy brands make it there's uh, the first one was the womanizer. And it's worth the cost. It's worth the investment. Um, and it's very exciting and it's like a slower rumble build up. Um, and I highly recommend it. I'm really um, Googling so, it right now. I need to see what this looks like. Yeah. The womanizer. So the womanizer, yeah, it's the womanizer is pretty expensive. Um, a cheaper version that the one that I have is the satisfier and it works really well. Okay. Um, I have a really hard time coming to climax, like, uh, when someone's going down on me. Um, and some women don't relate, but like, I relate with that. And I think it's because there's not, there's nothing like, I don't know. Like, it's like, it's almost like a detached, like, it's not like, I'm not as involved, like, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, they say it takes two to tango. I feel like only one person is tangoing and like, I want, (laughs) I want to be in that dance. Uh, (laughs) but then like 69 is like too much multitasking. Oh yeah. So like like, sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, there's so it's like, I can't, I'm not great at multitasking. I just want to focus on one thing. So it just takes longer. And I get a lot of anxiety. My issues are that I get a lot of anxiety, like, Oh my God, it's getting tired. And so then what we've worked on recently is, okay, can you just like talk to me while you're doing that? Like every so often. So I just feel like, okay, we're having a conversation, like, like, just even if it's just like making a noise here and there uh-huh. or just like, or like holding my hand, you know, just being making me more involved in the process. Yeah. And then that's been actually really helpful. I noticed that sometimes I have a hard time calming my mind and being present in the moment. I'm the type of person that my mind's always going a mile a minute and I'm always thinking about other things and I have a hard time just like relaxing. So I've noticed that for me, like if there's more like, foreplay up front and whatever and like I'm able to get more in the moment as opposed to sometimes like it just jumps right to oral or jumps right to sex or whatever like it's harder like for me like there needs to be more of a build-up for me to kind of like get my mind into it and relax or whatever it is and then that makes everything a lot easier for myself so like it's definitely situational I dated this guy who I met at the gym and he was just turned on right away and then just trying to stick it in. And I was like, well, can we just like slow down a little bit? You know, men are like microwaves, but women are like toaster ovens. You know, we need some warming up. I said something like that. Some like cooking analogy, like the inner feminist in me is like screaming right now. But anyways, he was like, he was like, well, why can't we just microwave your toaster oven? I was like, uh, okay, you're not getting this. So for me, what I have learned now is that it starts like, that's why dates are so important. And that's why, like, I don't know if any other women are listening that are like, their sex has gotten weird in the COVID times because we're not going out on dates really as much. Mm. So one of the funny things is like, even if your partner's in the other room, send them something sexy. Like I'll do that you know, or send them like, Hey, like, could we try this and send them like some sexy picture that you want or like some sexy, uh, you know, link to something that you want to do explore together. Um, and like start the foreplay at like 10 AM and then little by little, just make an effort. Even if you're not really feeling it, just play along and then just see, you know, what happens, like throw a little breadcrumbs throughout the day. No, I love that because literally like one thing I've been thinking of is like, sometimes I'll like, and like, of course we're all working from home right now for the most part. Like we have a little more flexibility in our day. So sometimes if I want to have sex at noon, like I want to have sex at noon, but I'm like, I'm awkward and I'm shy. Yeah. So I'm like, how do I like, like, just like tap Kevin on the shoulder? Like, Hey, can you just uh, come to the bedroom or like whatever? Like, so yeah. I'm like, no, no. Like, I like, need, like a less, like, so like, sending the pictures or whatever else like that's a less awkward way for someone like me to like ease into something like that because like sometimes I'll just be like I want to have sex and he's like don't talk about it you make it weird and I'm like I'm sorry like I am just like this so I love that but I love that Joe was talking about make it playful like we are supposed to be playful like sometimes I'll just send a taco emoji plus sign eggplant question mark 
No, I love it. Like it's playful. Yeah. It's playful. And I don't have to be like, um, I kind of need to borrow your um, Ukrainian sausage for um, five minutes. Uh, are you available? Uh, uh, because I would just stay, say something just as awkward slash playful, you know? <laughs> uh, I'm here for it. I'm here for so, it. So, all right. So if you're living for this conversation, then you're going to be loving our guest. Um I'm so excited God, for you guys. For this. this is like literally a golden episode. So if you thought about pausing it or going to do something else, you're going to want to rethink that and listen to this episode of It's All Bullshit with our guest, Joe. Joe Encarnacion, aka the Digital Maven, has dared to lead hundreds of women down a path of radical self-acceptance, gaining her recognition by CEO of Thrive Global, Ariana Huffington, as one of the top 20 health and wellness role models. Joe has pivoted through many different career paths in her lifetime. She is the founder behind Go Fit Joe, which has amassed a following of over 80,000 people and a thriving blog of 20,000 readers a month. She most recently launched the Hello Mary podcast, where she and her partner, Jonathan, share messy conversations around love, sex, and relationships. Welcome to the show, Joe. So, Joe. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we used to go to the same gym together, uh, Active Sports Club. In Oakland. Yes. 12th Street. Yeah. So we met briefly in the locker room once, but I've been following probably for about five years. And it's awesome to see how much your platform has grown and morphed into different things. Um, Some things, I I guess it's safe to say, have a little bit more meaning. You're such a boss. Yeah. You have so many things in the works at all times. You're a voracious content creator. Um, You have a blog that's amassed over 20,000 readers a month. You also conduct coaching programs and workshops. And I just kind of wanted to ask you and our listeners, I'm sure, want to know what is at the forefront right now? Hmm. Uh, in this moment, actually, I think I am doing what I what I'm developing and what I'm thinking about is actually doing something called uh, a siren salon, which is a six week series where women just talk about sex, love, and intimacy, and where I can just facilitate an open an open forum, an open space, uh, provide one on one coaching. I think either in the beginning and towards the end, but really just like. Like imagine a bunch of girlfriends getting together and talk about the things that are stigmatized and just typically full of shame and like just wanting a safe space to talk about this kind of shit, you know, and and without judgment and without any kind of bias and really just like being there to not only talk about their problems, but also and to be witnessed in your problems, but then to also have a coach like myself just really guide the conversation and guide the healing process and then guide like the steps and action plans of like each of these women. So um, that's something I'm kind of thinking about toying around during this fall while I revisit and revamp some of the materials in my current coaching program, which is called Women in Progress. And that is a 10-week program um, designed to take you on a journey of radical self-acceptance um, from like learning about your inner landscape as a woman, communicating your emotions and needs, understanding what conscious communication means, Understanding also the foundations of what a nurturership versus a relationship looks like, and then diving into an invitation of what it looks like as a woman to explore your sexuality. And what does it actually look like as you unravel almost like some of the shame stories or the should stories as a woman um, that like gets just freaking thrown down on you and passed down on you from like everywhere of like why you cannot be a certain way and really inviting women to define what sexuality means for them. That's awesome. And I love to hear that your journey has started in fitness, like Bree's and mine, and has morphed into this kind of holistic coaching approach. Um, How would you say that your relationship coaching and self-love programs that you've talked about are different than, let's say, going to something like a traditional therapist or a licensed therapist? How, How is like your approach or what do you want people to know about the difference. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think what it is for me is that I'm very much so, I believe in the intersectionality of things, meaning that like there is a cross point of change about all the things that we're experiencing in relationships, in health, in, in every parts of our life right now. Right. So it's taking what we know and what we've learned historically, what we believe is true to ourselves based on, you know, uh, childhood stories, culture, society, whatever, and then looking at like where we need to go in the future. Why are these things not working? How are they, how do they need to actually evolve so that 
when it comes to, let's say, within a relationship, you are understanding like the evolution that needs to happen for the actual container to stay a container, or you transition that container and change it into something and morph into something different. Um, and so I think it's it's just that that I'm I'm much more open about the way that I look at things and things are not black and white. Things uh, to me are, you know, there's, there's an intersectionality of the gray and like magic in the gray. Um, and so I think what's mainly different is that so many people out there are trying to give their clients the information to go down the path and already have that. And for me, I really believe that a person truly has the answers all within themselves. And that's like empowerment. And that's my job and my role as a coach is like to create the container for them to actually explore what those answers are. And for them to be able to like, come up with those answers, validate those answers, say them out loud, and then create a plan together so that like they're moving towards that direction. And I think that's where, you know, magic can happen and sustainability and change for a person because it's intrinsic. Right. Like it's something that they've defined for themselves rather than like me saying, hey, here's a 12 week program. and Here's all the steps you got to take to become this like really awesome fucking person. It's like, actually, I'm going to give you the tools and then I'm going to give you the introspection and the reflection. And then we're going to come up with what it is that you're actually really wanting and what steps you need to go to get there. So my question is, do you notice uh, are people coming to you once they realize, you know, they're having these problems? Are you recommending people come to you when you see these problems? Or is this more something you think everybody should get on? Like, for example, a lot of people, you notice go to traditional couples therapy once they're experiencing relationships or issues within the relationship. But would you say it's more important? I mean, think about it. you go to your doctor for your yearly well exam, just because you go to the gym, even when you're feeling good, shouldn't you be working on your relationships and your own sexuality and things, even when you're feeling good too? Oh, 100%. You know, I think, I think that that's a good, any personal development, right? Like it's a constant work in progress. The work isn't, the work isn't done. I mean, and I think, I think what's sometimes important is like, we need to work on ourselves even when things are good, because then that only just pads when things become bad, right? And that helps you when shit hits the fan. So I always think, you know, regardless of where you're at in life, like having coaches, having therapists, having people to just help support your journey is extremely important, no matter where you are in your journey. I love that you said support your journey, because that's so important. It's not like you're teaching them how to go down this path necessarily. You're giving them, like you said, the tools. It's still their journey. You're just something to support it and help them along the way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was listening to your latest episode of Hella Married last night with your husband and partner, Joe, uh, John, mm -hmm. and you're Joe, he's John. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love how you're answering this woman's question that she was asking. And she had a very interesting uh, perception of what sex was for. Mm. It was to please her husband and like something he needed to survive. And she was seemingly just not sexually attracted anymore. And so I just, that really inspired this next question, which is, in your opinion, why are women so afraid to ask for what they want in bed? I mean, there's so many different reasons for that. Um, I think, you know, there's a theory in psychology called ob objectification theory. And it's basically the theory in which women were objectified by men for use of pleasure and or purpose, right? So we were commodified as an item, as an object, similar to cattle, similar to property, et cetera. Like this goes back way back in like industrial revolution era. Um, and so because of that, women have been literally conditioned to uh, look at their bodies as a tool for usage of someone else's um, someone else for someone else's gaze, a man's gaze, whoever's gaze, some, someone else other than their own. Right. And so this is why so many women feel the need and desire to look a certain way is because they know or we've been conditioned to think that if we look a certain way, perform a certain way, I will be accepted and loved. Somebody else is going to want me. Someone else is going to need me. Someone else is going to accept me as I am, right? And so the hardest part about that is that because it is so programmed and conditioned, it then infiltrates into every single part of a woman's life, 
when it comes into sex, it's like, well, why, they don't even know that they can actually ask for what they want and need because there is this idea that their sexuality is supposed to be for somebody else, right? Like, think about it. Like, when you think about, like, historically, when women were first given away for um, marriage, like at first her sexuality was owned by her family of origin, her parents, her dad. That was the first male figure in her life that owned her sexuality. Then it was given away to her partner, the, her husband, whatever. And now that sexuality is now his. And now her own body, her own production of like sex and pleasure is designed for kids. So once she's given birth, now her body is also owned to her children. There's never been a moment in history where a woman actually owns her body for herself. So the idea of asking for pleasure is so fucking new for women. We've never owned it before. We've never known that we actually have the conscious right to actually own our physical bodies and to own our sexuality and to say, this is actually mine. I can give it to you however which way I please. So it's hard for so many different reasons. And this is where the intersectionality of like coaching comes in because I have to like tell women, this is the history. This is what we're up against. This is why we're conditioned to believe this way. Now we can utilize that. And there's going to be so much conditioning and unlearning and programming that we need to break apart. And then also how is that conditioning affecting the way you behave in your relationships? And then how does that conditioning affect the way that men behave in the relationships too, or I should say masculine energy, because sometimes it's not even just a men thing. It's just a masculine energy. Right. So, right. It can play in so many like fucked up ways, but ultimately it's hard for women to ask for that because they never really, we're, we're finally coming to the realization that our body's ours. Finally come to that realization. Right. Like think about fitness. We all were in fitness. So at one point we all were working towards this physical aesthetic body but the reality is like who said that body was perfect and beautiful and sexy and all this shit like whoever who labeled that who decided, it was never yeah. a woman right like it it wasn't a woman who decided that a coke bottle body was hot i've never heard that before right the coke bottle body like i mean think about like the coke bottle shape right so it's like I think a rapper said that once or something i think yeah <laughs> Pretty sure, pretty sure. But but also it's like what like, you know, you think about advertising, it's like why is a woman in a bikini used to sell beer? Like what like what does a woman in a bikini have to do with beer sales or alcohol? Like, you know, so it's just like you have to kind of think about the conditioning that's like out there and like what is being told to women subconsciously about their bodies, right? And about sex and about all the other things. We have a lot that we're up against here. We got we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> a lot of work to do. But you're a woman on a mission. You're you're ready to take it on. I love it. I really am. Okay, so myself, I'm awkward. I'm shy. I'm nervous in bed. I'm gonna be honest with it. I can pretend that I'm not. I like am super outgoing in real life, you know, and I can mm. post my little little sexy photo on Instagram, but then get to the bedroom and I'm like, uh, what do I do? How do I ask for what I want? What is happening? <laughs> what do I do with my hands, essentially? <laughs> um, so what is a tip that you would give for me or another woman listening to it, like myself, how do I stop being afraid? How do I start going for it? How can I start to, you know, explore this different side of my sexuality with my partner and whatever else? What Help me. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that I always say and what I, what I feel like needs to happen with sex is we need to remove the performance aspect of things and just get back into the childlike nature of sex. Because ultimately, like, you know, sex is supposed to be playful. It's supposed to be pleasurable. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be... A, 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 an expression of self, right? And if you rem if you think about like all of those things, that's ultimately how we are as children. We're literally just having fun, right? And we're really just expressing ourselves. And so what I always like to say is, you know, if you're going to be doing something like, let's say with a partner or with yourself, well, first and foremost, I always invite women to first explore themselves, and get into a practice of self-pleasure or masturbation. I personally like to call it self-pleasure uh, because it's a self-pleasure ritual for me. And it's an opportunity for me to just like explore what touch looks like to the body. 
and what it feels like to touch myself. Oftentimes, the lack of trust women have in telling a partner something actually starts with the lack of trust in themselves and in their own body. So how do you create trust within yourself first, right? It's about exploring pieces of yourself and getting really vulnerable with yourself. And that is what I have found with a lot of women when we're doing sex coaching is really hard, really, really difficult. Like when is the last time you've literally looked at yourself in the mirror and actually giving yourself gratitude and not picked yourself apart as a woman, right? Like that's really difficult. And so oftentimes, Mm -hmm. like the first thing I actually invite women to do is like strip down naked, look at yourself in the mirror and be grateful for your body, like not loving your body, but be grateful and start at a place of acceptance and gratitude. Because once we're able to do that, then the other things can come into play. Then the love can kind of come into play and all those other things. Right. And so that would be the first step is like, get playful with yourself and, you know, don't don't rush into like penetration or even touching like your vulva area, just like touch your body, like feel what actually feels good and like understand the sensations. And then when it comes to, you know, like exploring yourself and then inviting a partner into exploring that, then you can say, you know what I discovered recently? I discovered I really love this. Do you think you could touch me there? Let's just see how that feels like. And then it's like, you know, I mean, for them, female or male, they'd be like, holy shit, you know what turns you on? Okay, let them see if I can do that too. And then it becomes this like exploratory playfulness, lack of pressure of having an orgasm. You know, it's, it just becomes a, a, an experiment. Hmm. And then I think too, like to the other part of that, like I was mentioning is just like remove, remove the pressure of performance. If you can like get into the mindset of like, okay, this is supposed to be for pleasure and just for what feels good. And yes, an orgasm feels good for sure. But if we can just explore what feels good on the body, in the body, around the body, then like, then orgasms don't even like really matter as, as much. Like they still matter. I think they're fucking important. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then it just really becomes like, wow, what is... Right. What does touch feel like? What does temperature play feel like? What does like playing with ice feel like? You know, and and then you don't then you don't feel so disappointed if there's nothing that happens because then you're not trying to aim for an orgasm. You're mm-hmm. really just aiming for pleasure. That really like hit home for me. I feel like just like that whole performance mm-hmm. part of it. That's how it feels. So like my one thing is I've like always been like afraid of blowjobs. And when I think of it, I think of it as this performance thing. So, you know, I think I have to, you know, get up there, do some porn star bullshit. And <laughs> I'm just over here trying not to fucking choke. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how is anybody supposed to perform and worry about not throwing up at the same damn time? Like, I don't know. So I love this. This is what I needed to hear. This was perfect. I also really love that... <laughs> I also love that we just were talking about blowjobs at 11 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It was actually like yesterday. I was I was on an interview with New York Magazine talking about vibrators and toys. And I just was like going off 10 in the morning outside while people were walking. I'm like, yep, I just said vulva and I just said clitoris. <laughs> Welcome Good to morning. morning. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I feel that too. And I think I think that's the other part, right? Like, and so for women, it, for, for women with male partners, you have to think about the education that most men also got with sex. What, what education we all get from sex or, or around sex? A lot of it is porn, right? And so unfortunately, both men and women have been conditioned to see pornography as the way in which sex is supposed to happen. When the reality is there's so many different ways that sex can happen. And also, like, for me, um, I... I don't define sex as like sex to me is like all the different things and also intercourse. And so I look at intercourse as like one part and then sex is another part. So sex can be like everything, but with, with penetration, but without like Mm -hmm. actual like penis to vagina penetration. And like, and so blowjobs, like cunnilingus or lick jobs, however, which way you want to call it, that to me is also sex. Whereas some people are like, that's not sex. That's like foreplay. I'm like, mm, that's sex to me. Like that feels sexual and that feels like sex to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just all about defining what also sex means to you in a partnership and what that looks like. And then really realizing like where everyone's stories or ideas around sexuality and sex began. 
And if a guy's idea of sex and, and pleasurable blowjobs is like what he's seen in porn, it's going to take a little bit of work to reprogram that also, because that's what they've been conditioned to think and conditioned to see. And that's what they've also been conditioned to think women like mm-hmm. are things like that, right? Yeah, I've seen, I've gotten some really good education from porn for my own use and with my partner in the sense that I could watch something. I'd be like, so you see how this guy is doing it like this? Do you think that we could try this? And I'll send like a clip and that's what we use to increase and improve our communication via sex over text messaging first, because sometimes free just to help out. And the answer, I guess, um, with my experience is that that has helped a lot. Like, wow, this is so hot how this guy is doing this. Do you, and that's like a good gateway into being more comfortable t- about talking about it in person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another really great website is OMG Yes. Um, and that is all around female pleasure. And it's actually real women. They're, they're, it's it's, it's kind of technical. It's really, really cool because, you know, a bunch of real life women are coming on there and they're doing different techniques on themselves. So you're able to watch mm. it. Um, but that has also been fun to just like also watch and be like, uh, holy shit, I know, didn't think I'd think tapping would be interesting. Let's try that. And then you just be like, actually, I don't really care for that, you know, or just different things. So that I think is a really good resource too for women who are looking for something and they want to use with their partner that is not quite tr- as triggering as maybe porn can be. Because some people have an association with porn mm-hmm. and that can be really triggering, right? right. So that's another yeah, great that's resource great for your listeners in case they're looking for something that, that it doesn't feel so emotionally triggering. Thanks, Joe. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you talk a lot about your own self-pleasure routines and, and you know why you call it self-pleasure. And I love how you talk about starting with your body and thanking your body and being grateful. And um, we that is something that we've talked about on a previous episode for sure. Um, I guess, was there a specific turning point that allowed you to start experiencing pleasure and also being outward and honest about it on your platform? Um, Was there a shift that happened or how did you start to become more comfortable with discussing this? You know, I think it's, um, it's probably the way that I like to work for myself um, or like the way that I I unravel my own shame. Um, I, I was a sexual trauma survivor, so I was raped at 15 and I uh, was molested by a family friend at, at the age of eight. And so because I've dealt with sexual trauma in various different parts of my life, like obviously that's going to carry into all my different relationships and it has carried into all the different relationships. Um, I remember one time there was just a lot of conversation between, you know, my husband, John and I about like sexuality and pleasure. And I remember just telling him like, there was a lot of fights about just like, why was it before we had kids, you know, you were super into sex. And then like, now it feels like it kind of like dwindles. And of course, there's the various of other reasons, like, you know, women, especially after kids, like we're just so fucking busy. We're really busy. And like, our minds are like everywhere else. And we're managing so many different things. So, you know, one part for the women out there who are moms listening to this, like, my advice is to, and the things that I had to work through was like, how do I become just a woman in bed and not a mother and wife in bed? Like, how do I remove that role from my existence in my brain so that I can enter a different space when I am in the bedroom? Um, and it was a lot of just like, I think unraveling of like some of these pieces that felt amputated from me because I, I, I've always like loved sex. Like I've always, and I always was really confused about it because after, after the rape, I was like, I like sex. Am I supposed to like sex? I just was raped. Like I just, there was a lot of confusion and I had to like dissect all those pieces for myself. Um, and I think, I think the reason why I started sharing openly about it was because I knew I was not the only woman who's experiencing mm-hmm. this. For sure. And I knew that like, in order for me to dismantle my own shame, I need to come out there and just put myself out there in the forefront of like, this is what I'm currently experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. And it's, you know, an incredible outpour that so many women are also experiencing the same thing. And I think like the biggest, the biggest like intrinsic motivator for myself is I didn't want my daughters to have to go through the work that I did to unravel all of those pieces. Like I wanted her to be, I wanted both of them to be able to be like, you know what? I can embrace my sexuality. I know it's mine. I know what the fuck consent is. I know all these things. Like I know body autonomy and sexuality is something that I divinely own as a woman and is my right to own as a woman. And so, 
yeah, I just, I think for me, it was that, like, I just don't, didn't want my kids to like wake up thinking, do I own my body <laughs> or is it a man's body? Is this for someone else's pleasure or is this for my pleasure? Um, and I wanted them to just know it was just for them. I love that. I was actually just telling Lauren this morning, I was, you know, creeping on some of your stuff on Instagram to get prepared for this. And I saw that you said you told your daughters like sex isn't required for love and love isn't required for sex. And I was just yeah. like, holy shit, I love that. Because I just remember like I had a lot of sex in college and I was guilty for it. And you know how it is. I was called a slut and whatever else. And people will be like, oh, you know, I can't believe like, oh, my gosh, you had sex with that many people. I'm like, first of all, it's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> Second of all, mm -hmm. like, why am I a bad person? Because I like it doesn't mean doesn't have to mean anything for some people it does and whatever else but the fact that you just said love isn't required for sex and sex isn't required for love I don't know that just I love and that you're teaching your daughters that is so important like I wish I had that being told to me at a young age yeah I mean it was I mean this I, I grew up feeling the same too like just the shame of even wanting to explore sexuality I grew up in a Filipino Catholic household. So it's like just the idea of even sex outside of marriage, it was just like so freaking shamed upon. And then we have, oh, for God forbid you have kids outside of marriage, you know? Like, I mean, it just, and it was like, you know what? I guess I'm like just going to walk around with a scarlet letter A all over myself, like for the rest of my life, according to your guys' perceptions, because this is just how you think I am. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, yeah, sex is not required for love and love isn't required for sex. And mm. and I it, I think it's so important because so many women also get pressured into thinking that they have to have sex when they're in love with somebody. And also, like, what if they don't want to? And like, I, I also think, you know, I, I want to also touch base on like some of the women out there who might be asexual and have no interest in sex, period. You know, there's also there's also that, too, to think about, mm -hmm. like you also neurologically just might not be hardwired to even think that sex is anything like you just may not be interested in it. Mm -hmm. And that's also OK. And I think that's what I want to teach my girls, because um, they have never expressed actually an interest in like boy crushes. And that's another thing, like mm -hmm. in, in our house, we don't we try really hard not to ask if they are interested in another and in, in the opposite gender mainly because we want them to have the freedom of choice of whatever the fuck that means for them right and so you know uh when it comes to like their interests if they have any we're like are there anyone is there anyone that mm -hmm. you're interested in like is is pretty much the like question that we ask rather than like are you do you have a crush on a boy just just because we, we want them to be able to explore what their sexual identity also is and, and make that something that they design on their own terms. That's a beautiful way to parent. And um, like, I'm not a, I'm not a mother. And, and I, I mean, I wish that I got this kind of upbringing really from my own mother and it just sounds so loving and supportive. And I really also like the component that you talk about with how some women feel like they need to be all about sex. And I think it's easy to compare our desires and wishes with other women's and think that there's something wrong with us if we're not matching our peers. And I think we talk about on our platform a lot about the body comparisons, but what we don't talk about that much is the relationship comparisons. You know, oh, they have this amazing relationship and oh, they're having all of this amazing sex. Oh, he's so affectionate towards her. And I'm wondering if people do that with you and John's relationship or um, if, if you've experienced things like that, because he is not that like macho dude <laughs> that like, he's like this very yeah. listening, loving, supportive, kind, sensitive. And if you listen to the podcast, Hella Married, you, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so have you received that? Yeah. I mean, we get relationship goals fucking all the time, like for people and hashtag couple goals and all that shit. And, you know, I mean, I have to say, like, we've been together for 18 years. It is work. It's work. It's a lot of fucking work and a lot of check-ins. And, you know, truthfully, I think one of the biggest things about our relationship that we are constantly trying to work through and constantly asking ourselves, which I think is actually really healthy. I remember, I remember somebody, you know, mentioned to me, cause I was like, I said something along the lines of like, you know, we're we're still trying to figure this out. We're still trying to figure out if like this is going to work. 
And somebody was like, you guys have been together for 15 years. If you haven't figured this out, like you guys, like what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? And I just was like, I, I remember like, like thinking to myself, there's nothing wrong with me. We, we grow and we change as people. We grow and we change. Yes. And you have to have those constant check-ins of is this working or not? And I think like, you know, one of the things that I guess I just want to like put out there is like, me and John, we're in a constant work in progress. Um, our love is a constant work in progress. And we are two individuals that are growing and evolving. Sometimes we grow apart differently. Sometimes we grow together. Like, and, and it is a work in progress. And I think, I think it's bullshit when people kind of have this idea of like, have this perception. I know it's projection of like perfect relationships because I've done it too. Mm-hmm. I've looked at relationships and I was like, man, they look, why can't I have that? Like, God, that looks so easy. God, that looks like they've got it all together. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I guess my, my message to anybody who's listening is like, yeah, we have a great relationship. There's so many great components to it, but it's a lot of hard work. And it's a lot of hard work to be able to get to, to a place where we can communicate this way. And it takes a lot of patience. Um, and also, like, there's always, like, nitty gritty that people are working through, mm-hmm. no matter what you see on the Internet, you know, no matter what you see. And, and we're still working through a lot. And that's what my personal like brand hashtag that I use is hashtag still not done because this is not a destination. You're never going to hit that perfect spot in your marriage or in your fitness journey or in your financial career. Like there's always room for improvement. And, you know, even if things are maybe perfect per se at that time, then something can happen to you in your life and you change and you're a different person. And then you got to work at it again. So for anybody who's chasing, you know, that specific spot in their life, just remember that there's always work to do. Like things are always yeah. changing. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the same with sex too, right? Like you, 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 there's so many different variations that will make you a good lover in that particular session. And I think sometimes what we get so hung up on is like, oh my God, we had the best sex ever. Like last week, what's wrong with it this week? And I'm like, there's so many factors that can go into a person's body as to why it doesn't feel that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Lauren, how you and your partner use like text messaging to kind of communicate with that. Mm -hmm. Another great tool that I really like, um, is a journal that's called a sex journal. And it really gives couples an opportunity to talk about their sexual experience and what they're feeling and what they're celebrating, what turned them on, um, in a way that doesn't feel like it's assigning blame Mm -hmm. or, you know, projecting certain thoughts and and it's really allowing each person to own the experience in the sexual experience, which I think is really important because, you know, sometimes like what's going on in one person's mind is actually not what's going on in the other person's mind. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's really great to know those types of dynamics too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we're getting into the exciting part of the show of the episode. We're going for the rapid fire. So yeah. Question number one. What food describes you and why? All right. Okay. This is a good one. Um, peaches, burrata, white truffle oil, and fucking Maldon sea salt, and a little bit of balsamic reduction. <laughs> and why? Because it's a little bad. It's a little bougie. There's some salt. There's umami to it. It's decadent, but it's also really simple. I love it. Like it's simple last ingredient <laughs> that you can put on a cutting board and it looks Looking good <laughs> and fresh and fresh <laughs> and bougie as hell, but also not really. <laughs> like you're just like, it's actually really not that bougie, except for the white truffle oil and maybe the burrata. But it's not like hella high expensive. <laughs> you're like, it's not that bougie aside from like those gold flakes that are on it. But like, I don't even know what. <laughs> but but no, it's not that bougie. <laughs> I love whenever we ask like super random questions and people are just like, they have this like spot on like <laughs> random answer. I'm like, have you been thinking about this? I'm like, I think I want this dish over the weekend. That's why. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to throw you and nobody's been thrown so far. Everyone's like, right? I have the answer. Like they just, I'm like, what? everyone just has all this time to think right now because of quarantine. I think that's what it is. Would you rather pay for sex or get paid for it? Ooh, get paid for sex. I've always had a dream. I've always, okay, you guys, I've always, always thought I could be a really good fucking sugar baby. Like I could be, 
a real like somebody's really good sugar baby or a really good like phone sex operator. <laughs> but yeah, paid. See, sure. We could be a great tag team. I I can go on the date part. I can I could talk for hours. I'll just bullshit them, whatever. And then we'll have to do a little switch off. We'll split <laughs> the money. It's great. <laughs> I guess on this date I'm just the third wheel, but that's fine. I'm okay with it. I'll just You're like one hop in. in. You're the sugar daddy. I'll hop in and get coaching. I'll just be like uh, <laughs> More money, sir. More money. <laughs> uh, okay. In one word, what describes the worst sex you've ever had? Detached. Like okay. when you're just like, yeah, where, like where mind, body, everything, like you're just not even there. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> just detached. And it just, you can't even explain because it's like not even good or bad. You're just like, I don't know what the fuck. What just happened? <laughs> what was that? It's like, did you forget your tongue is in my mouth? Like the, one of those kind of things. It's like, uh, hello, did you want to move that or just park it there? Or you're also like, where am I in this situation? Like, do you want me to just leave? It looks like you got this handled. <laughs> looks like you're really feeling yourself and not really into what I'm experiencing. So, <sighs> would you ever leave if that happened, or do you f- always feel the need to communicate? Because sometimes I just feel so annoyed. Where I'm just like, I just want to go. Like, I don't even want to have a conversation about why this is bad. You know, there has been a time where I just was like, we've got, we're we're just going to cut that. Like, we're going to just be done. And there have been times where, you know, I've brought up after just so that like, it wasn't like, some guys are kind of frail, like in their egos, you know? So it's just one of those where you're like, let's just. Some. 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 I'm just going to say some. (laughs) We don't need to put a percentage. Yeah. But like, you know, you just. Well, I need to finish, and then we'll have a conversation immediately after you clean up about what the fuck was that. Clean up and think about what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> Let's clean what up your mess done. really quickly. Let's review what just happened. Postmortem in five. Postmortem in yeah. five. You good with that? We're gonna have a retrospective in five minutes. See you there. Yeah. See you there. I would just send a link to my newest blog post about it. I'd be like, so here's a blog post about why this was bad. <laughs> I'll let you read this on your own time because I got to go finish myself. Oh, my God. Right? <laughs> That's so sad, though, right? Like, that just means that so many ladies actually have terrible sex. We need to fix this. And a lot of it's communication. A lot of it is communication. Like, obviously, you said, like, we fear communicating about it because there's not enough spaces where we can just kind of laugh about it. And also, mm-hmm. and like also, right. like, is this normal? Oh shit! Actually, yes, and it's all bullshit. So yeah, it's normal. <laughs> she dropped it. In one word, what's the best sex? How would you describe the best sex you've ever had? One word. Celestial. Ooh. Yeah. So like of the stars. Yeah, like fucking. I don't know what fucking planet I was in. Yeah. Mm. Sheesh. Mm. Were there hallucinogenics involved? I mean, there could have been. Potentially. I've had that too. I think I was there. (laughs) Oh, sometimes it just happens with a little bit of cannabis. Like that's also just, you know. Yeah. Whatever, whatever takes you to the stars, honeys. Whatever takes you to the stars. I'm happy for you. That sounds great. (laughs) I love that for you. (laughs) Crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Ooh, uh, crunchy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lauren, what do you think? Crunchy or creamy? I uh... don't say you don't like peanut butter because I'm gonna need a new co-host. <laughs> no, here's I have two different. I, I I don't really have a preference, but I have like a, a vibe. So like, if I'm just spooning it into my mouth, I like the um, crunchy. But if I'm spreading it on something, I want it creamy. Mm. I agree. It is situational. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like yeah. to call those things situationships. A situationship, you know, it's like a this is this is a situationship. <laughs> this is the situation I'm in, and this is the ship that we're going to contain oh, this situation. So true. <laughs> yeah, oh and I'm like a, I'm a fan of a pun, so that really worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Joe, what's one mantra that you wish your 16 year old self knew? Hmm. That you're allowed to be messy and beautiful mm. all at the same time. I feel you on that one. I like how you open messy conversations um, and you you start them well. You communicate with people. I know that you and I have had some 
random DM conversations and I just you're very generous with what you know and I appreciate you and your platform for this and helping women like myself um just explore the messiness with you and we feel like we're on along the ride with you and it's it's uh it's a really generous Mm. thing that you're doing so thank you Mm. yeah thank you I appreciate that yes we truly appreciate you and we're we're so excited that we got to have you on. Thank you for saying yes to us and taking a chance yeah. on our little baby new podcast. It was anytime, great. Thank you. Any, anytime you want to jump on and talk about sex, fuck, bring it. Like it is always the funnest conversations I like to have these days. <laughs> Hit you up in a couple of months, have you back on and we'll do it. We have proof that you said that. Yeah. Where can people find you? Mm, you can currently find me at GoFitJo online. Uh, everything social is at GoFitJo, G-O-F-I-T-J-O. You can find me on my blog, GoFitJo.com. You can also find me on my podcast, Hella Married. Love it. Thanks for listening and subscribe to get notifications of fresh bullshit free episodes each week. Follow us on Instagram, iTunes, Spotify at It's All Bullshit Podcast or send your questions to hello at It's All Bullshit Podcast.com.